Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. This week, the crew satisfies your craving for training talk and classic banter. Your inquiries are addressed and a whole lot of discussion on the topic of the Power Athlete Academy. How does its content differ from that of the CrossFit sports-specific application seminar and what it will allow you to achieve after you've completed it? Also, find out what it takes to be a member of the Power Athlete crew. Hint, it involves banging weights, breaking a mental sweat, barbecue, and beer. Master these things and you may just find yourself on the ranch with John and the guys. This is episode 206. Power Athlete Nation, what is up? You've got Luke, John, Tex sitting around the old table here in Austin, and we're about to bring you another episode of Power Athlete Radio, the premier podcast in strength and conditioning. It's beautiful. <laughs> All right, people, we're around here. We got no guest. We've, uh, we are the guest. So it's a crew podcast, John, myself, and Tex. Uh, big year for us in the sense that like I can't believe it's already the fifth month, but we are on the cusp of well, changing begin, the course be, of, of the, the future. Month. It's really only been four months. It's the beginning of the fifth month. We're on the fifth month, though. Yeah. Well, within, amongst. But uh, we threw a little call to action out, get some Q&As for you. Uh, we're here to answer and quench your curiosity on a lot of the shit that we got going on, right? So new gym is going up. Uh, the Academy is coming on to a, a, an official launch here, the methodology course. Um I know we've got a new program in the works as well. <clears throat> Johnny Bod. Johnny yeah. Bod. Well, we have two new cycles rolling out for Field Strong and Jack Street. And also we have uh, the Johnny Wad being tested. Um, it's actually so brutal that I not only hurt myself doing the Johnny Bod, I had to take about 10 days to recover from it. So it's so powerful. It might rip your skin off. So just know the Johnny Bod ain't nothing. It's nothing to fuck around with. Some of your skin or all of your skin? Dude, it, um, yeah, no, it, it's fucking rough, but uh, <laughs> uh, no. Other than that, I mean, the uh, the gym's kicking butt. I mean, they were supposed to start today, but they're going to push us back till tomorrow to start uh, putting up the red iron and mm-hmm. doing a few things. So hopefully, we'll be done here in the next couple of weeks. And other than that, man, we're just rolling. Well, the slab is there. The slab is there, and I I actually held them back because uh, I wanted to try this densifier, which is a sealer that's sprayed on concrete that increases the density of concrete by filling the pores by forty five percent. I don't know if it's bullshit or not, but uh, over the last couple of years, I've been reading about how to increase the density and the strength of concrete. So if you have a gym or you're parking heavy vehicles or doing a lot of fucking or uh, shit, both or both, uh, <laughs> that uh, you know your concrete won't get beat up. So I wanted a way to seal it, and I remember reading about this densifier. And, uh, so, um, you know, they, they don't recommend it doing it for brand new concrete, but I said, fuck that. And you know, we're going to test it. So Luke and I went out and sprayed it and got it on there and just thing, slopped it, it all dude, over. It, it looks like a bomb shelter. And so, uh, <laughs> the guys will be able to come in and get us rocking and rolling. So I'm pretty excited. Beautiful. Well, I guess w- without further ado, Tex, what's our, what questions you want to tackle first here, buddy? We got an easy one. So with the CrossFit sports-specific application seminar, we have a question here. How does the power athlete methodology fit in with the seminar? The same, but with less chest hair and musk. This is a question from Sir Paul Kelly. Well, I guess let's put this. The SSA seminar is the course we do for CrossFit, right? The methodology course is the core curriculum on our power athlete academy. Yeah. So that's the difference, literally. the, The SSA course is how to use 
CrossFit for uh, training for sports specifics applications. Uh, it's really that SPP. I mean, uh, SSA wasn't a great choice and not my first one. My real choice was SPP, how to start training for sports specific applications and how to really tailor your trailer, tailor your general training to a more specific application. So SSA. Well, that's, um, I mean, cause CrossFit is G like G- steeped in GPP. What, well, I mean, I don't know if you can well, really steep something in GPP because the minute that you start training for a goal, you've transitioned through SPP. So in a way it's, almost like they didn't know what GPP was. Well, in the, in the universe of the level one, for those who are familiar with the CrossFit level one course. Well, you know, it was actually Rob Wolf that first suggested that CrossFit was training GPP um, on the message boards way back in the day. And I remember Rob Ford and me that, and they kind of latched onto it and understood. And it was basically um, based off of what the Westside guys were doing, mm-hmm. you know, where they found that if they could increase their general physical preparedness, they could get stronger. So, um, you know, in, in all actuality, uh, what we're talking about doing is how to start tailing, tailoring your general capacity training to a specific need. And that's what we do. So, uh, but just like everything, it's based around the power athlete methodology and the core principles. And I think the confusion lies in that, uh, people don't really understand what that is. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some very, very concrete pillars that we stand on for the power athlete methodology developed over many, many years of my training and those around me. And that stuff needed to be put forefront and start educating people in that method. And hence enter the course, enter the power course. athlete methodology, right? And, uh, you know what people have been asking for it for years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, we're really, uh, you know, instead of trying to be constantly ahead of the curve where all the smart people are, we're always a step behind the curve trying to provide people what they're asking for. I mean, for years, people ask for custom programming. So we found custom programming. Well, with- it's like, and we want to do it right too, because you tr- we try what other people are doing. It just seems fucking janky. So you find a, a partner uh, randomly at a Texas high school coaches association conference, train heroic, who's developing a platform that's pretty jiggy to push the training and demos well, out to your They've also been stalking us for a long, long time. That's true. They had called the gym asking for me, which was a mistake because uh, whoever was there, preferably a, you know, Callie or a woman who would answer, be like, yeah, I'm John. <laughs> so uh, It know, legitimately yeah, was well, Callie. She's yeah, like, yeah, this is, this is John Wellborn. Yeah. No, I don't think so. And it was always some, this, this dude I made the mistake of uh, donating one time to like some like Wounded Warrior Foundation and he, um, it wasn't a mistake to donate, but I mistakenly donated with this guy who hence kept my number and proceeded to call me for everything from like the firemen's to the law enforcement to the girl scouts. I mean, the dude hit me up every week for something. And I remember like after the second time, I'm like, dude, I don't want to talk to you this much, bro. Yeah, I know. And cause I would get those calls when I eventually took over the phone and I'm like, John has advised me that he would not like to talk to you. Yeah. He's you like, s- you're a fucking asshole. You know that? I'm like, why don't you well, send me an email yeah. and I'll respond to it. But yeah, so that was how it all began. But um, no, I mean, I, we've always done a good job of providing people with not necessarily what they want, but what they need uh, when they need it. And, uh, you know, the programming thing has just been uh, really kind of overblown. And I think people really latch onto this idea that they think that there's some secret recipe of percentage and reps and oh, fuck, fuck percentages. Um you know, there's some secret, you know, squirrel code that you can enter in where, you know, you arrange and you do this and this and this and, you know, and it, it just fucking isn't the case. Uh, we got an email the other day about some dude requesting to understand, you know, for me to describe our micro and macro cycle or sorry, uh, micro and meso and macro cycles uh, for these different programs. 
And uh, like, is that the best use of my time to start talking about these things? And it's like, dude, just sign up. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. I got you. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, just an observation. When we do the homework at the course, we say, all right. So we give them an example of two kids, uh, two well-born sons. Number one is freaking like Harry and Lloyd or freaking. Uh, I've been going with Cash and Chauncey. Cash and Chauncey. Interesting combo. Or the uh, Fast and Furious guys. I forget their names. I haven't used them in a while. But we give somebody that is stronger than they'll ever be. And we give them the test of creating a strength and conditioning program for somebody that's stronger, faster, can bench more, squat more than you ever will. So we're forcing people to develop a strength and conditioning program based off of the principles that we talked about, uh, discussed at the seminar, and people always failed terribly. So this is an opportunity for us to even take a step back from the seminar and really lay that foundation to prepare coaches for the long-term success. Why do you think people fail? I mean, this was something that perplexed me for a number of years because as we taught seminars, back in the day, you remember we used to have a multiple choice test. Well, originally it was a multiple choice test and a programming test. And then we just went to a straight up multiple choice test. And it was based off of the questions that actually we had discussed over two days. And then I got to the point where I would discuss the questions before the test and then give the multiple choice test and they would still fail. And then I would discuss it. Then I would let them get into groups and take the multiple choice test and they still failed. And then when I went to tear up their things, they would come and plead with me not to tear up their certificates. And I realized that um, you know there was this kind of bit like I paid my money, I want my certificate, I shouldn't have to fucking pay attention. And you know I, I remember uh, Steve Bowser, who owns a CrossFit down in Florida, who took our seminar in Tampa, um, failed just about every question. And then he told me, well, I wasn't really paying attention because I didn't know this would be tested on. And I always remember thinking to myself, didn't I tell everybody at the beginning that we were going to get this information was going to be tested on? And didn't I review all this information? Yeah, but I thought you were kidding. At which point I can't remember what I did, but I might have choked him. My theory is benefit of the doubt, obviously. It's a long weekend. It's a lot of information. It's two days of shit people are A, not anticipating, B, not ready for. And they're just trying to latch on to the things that are important to them contextually why they are there. Mm-hmm. So then we then test on what we think they should be valuing and important, right? And it's just like two ships passing in harbor at midnight. They just don't, it, it doesn't connect with them. Well, I'm, I'm, and then I can give you a little bit of perspective because uh, as a graduate student, I had to student teach and also for my master's in education. And I remember going into a course and identifying what I want the students to take away from this course. So then that's what I focused on and that's what I told them I was gonna test. So if you go into something and somebody said, hey, these are important, these are the first lecture I give. These are vital, you know, things like power athlete methodology and where we get into our, you know, base pyramid and start understanding how primals fit into this thing. I would think that that would be something that's that should throw up a red flag or a flare, and assume that would be on the test. That's like a, a me going to taking my driving test, and at some point I should probably be aware of what the stop speed, sign, the shape of a stop, stop sign, sign is, is important, <laughs> or if you're traveling on the highway, what. Would, you know, is it 15, 65, or 100? Mm -hmm. You should be able to probably get, well, here in Texas, I think it's 70, but I don't know, man. It, it, um, it just, I just sometimes wonder if some of the people that were taking our courses were so far removed from school that they hadn't 
been in those situations or maybe they were just really crappy at it. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I mean, but we can't say that for, that's generally because we had people that came in and absolutely crushed it out the box and, you know, finished and did really well. So I think it's just uh, being able to provide context for people and an opportunity for the information, maybe take it at their own time, at their mm-hmm. own speed, not really just fire hosing them for two days, but putting together an online course like we're doing with the methodology and allowing people to move it um, at a either faster or slower pace based upon their ability to uh, handle the information and practically apply a program bedrock while they are absorbing all this information. So it's not just throwing bedrock at them and then saying, all right, program it breaks it down, uh, gives them an opportunity, the program to apply and then see how the principles unfold. Athleticism developed right before your eyes and go through the phases of the athlete continuum. I mean, that's really what we're trying to do. I mean, I, we're, we're, people have made some pretty bold claims over the years. Like, you know, they invented the squat. I mean, you know, Question. like, uh, you know, Greg Penley um, <laughs> identifying that he invented the barbell row, the Penley row. It's fucking crazy. Uh, but the, some of these things like uh, CrossFit and vent conditioning, I mean, these are other, you know, insane claims. But um, the idea that we know that we can develop and foster and improve somebody's athleticism based off of understanding the definition of of athleticism, which is the ability to seamlessly and effortlessly combine primal movement patterns through space to accomplish a known or novel task. Boom. You don't know how many times I did that in a, uh, in, in our, one of our lectures. Um, I wasn't having a good day that day and I think I must've done it about a hundred times, but, um, long story short. Uh, so by establishing that definition and then going down and breaking up into the pieces and understanding the ability to, you know, display and, you know, be proficient at primal patterns, uh, we can make you a better version of yourself and help you move along the athlete continuum because obviously, you know, everybody's going to start in the continuum in a different place. It's just genetics, geography, opportunity where you start. But if you're constantly moving down this continuum, I really believe that uh, we can make you a better version wherever you are. You will be better for this based off of the athleticism. And, um, you know, and the problem we run into is uh, people want these finite discussions. Well, I just need to be strong. Okay, so is a stronger you a better version of you? Of course, but how do you use that strength? Can you display that strength dynamically as power? Can you use it in an athletic manner? And I really think what people are really chasing is this idea of athleticism and better movement and just being a better version of themselves. Which leads us into our next question. I gotta take a breath, it's low Will the new stuff be coming out from Power Athlete HQ serve as more of a training tool and or continuing education for an established coach or will this serve as more of an application manual for prospective power athlete coaches? Both. I would expect that if you are using the methodology and becoming a better version of yourself, you would also use universally apply this to those around you and effectively create yourself as a better coach. I, uh, I think it doesn't matter where you are that if you are proficient at something, you do yourself a disservice by just holding it tight to your vest. I mean, I had to go and into the depths of hell today to gold's gym to go lift some weights and the poor lady next to me, um, as she was squatting, looked like she was squatting on, uh, wine glasses. It's the only analogy I could give her. She had the bar so high on her neck. She was so far dumped on her toes and she looked like she was in so much pain. The look on her face I actually asked her, are you okay? And she's like, Oh, I'm in really a lot of pain. And I was like, what's going on? She said, uh, rotator cuffs and, you know, like started giving me all these things. And I'm like, you'd probably fix a lot of your pain if you could just carry the bar about one to two inches lower and put them on your traps instead of up high on your spine. 
And she goes, really? Why is that? It's like, it's a, you know, more beneficial place to place the bar. And also for you, it'll give you a better center of gravity for the bar to travel. And as, as you sit down, I want you to widen your feet. And I want you to drive your knees out a little bit. And I want you to sit a little bit lower and try to catch a bounce. I'm not kidding you. Within one set and one rep, she literally was squatting pain-free. And she's like, wow, I didn't realize that uh, it felt that bad until it actually felt pretty good. And the lady actually was like, hey, that's the first time anybody's ever really ever said anything or coached me. And I'm like, well, that's a mistake because people come to this place, they put on headphones, and they have no opportunity to reach out to anybody and try to help. Like for me, if I'm sitting there watching you do something poorly, I have a really hard time keeping my mouth shut. And I think that's a big problem is like, you know, the social responsibility. We talk about those who have the ability to help should help. So long story short, if you're getting into the methodology and you start understanding it and you're using it, you should go out there and be able to help people and reach out and try to make better versions of those around you. And just, uh, I've been to a lot of weight rooms. So I see a lot of the, uh, the cross-armed, like shake their head. Good job. And then on to the next rack. So crowded weight rooms. But the, why is that? Because it's easier just to kind of cross your arms and, and nod the head and say, good job, than it is to break down and be like, hey, man, let's fix this shit. That's today. a question I was going to ask you. Is it easier to just say good job and move on than to fix them? Or do they even know this is wrong? Or well, they don't see what I'm seeing when I see these coaches give the okay on shit? Well, I mean, think, think about this. Um, and I always like to use the car analogy. So like, for example, Luke calls me and says, man, the car's running, my truck's running really badly. Okay. Good job, man. Gas brake, go. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm like, well, what's it doing? It's making a really strange noise. Can you describe the noise? And you go through and you start diagnosing it and then you figure out that he blew up his turbo. So if you're smart, you end up having to call the Cummins vampires. You go source a turbo and then you have to go over and borrow Tom Dye's garage, which is like going in the depths of hell and fucking fighting Lucifer and go and you replace it and you fix the problem instead of just sitting there driving around with a loud noise being like, well, let's turn up the radio. Mm-hmm. I just think for a lot of people, they, they don't have the skill set to not only diagnose, find the part and then replace and fix the part. But some so, of this shit, John, wouldn't you say is like driving behind a car and seeing a fucking wheel about like wobbling on the wheel end about to fucking roll off because the lug nuts are loose. It's like, hey, go roll your window down. Like, hey, bro, you might want to fucking pull over and tighten up those lug nuts. Well, what if they say, um, um, hey, uh, your wheel's loose? Well, what do I do? And, you know, and if you can't give somebody, so I mean, it's always great when people can identify problems, but what people fail to do is give solutions. And you guys know this, dude. When you guys come to me, I'm like, dude, don't come to me with a problem without a solution. Mm-hmm. I get pissed off. I'm like, I like solutions, not problems. Hey, John, we have this issue. This is how we're going to solve it. Great. That gives me a conversation. My kids dump problems on me. And I always talk to them. I sit them down. I'm like, we're going to be problem solvers. So, hence, Luke's car makes a funny noise. Tell me about the noise. Are you smart enough to understand the noise and where it's coming from? It's coming from the front of the car. I think it's the turbo. Great. Let's start there instead of me having to go and show up and do this thing. Mm -hmm. And I think like for a lot of people watching that lady do some reps, you know, I mean, and then understanding posture and position. Why, why, why is she so far forward on her toes? Bar position? Easy, right? You can look and see it on her face as she's carrying in a bad position because we know that you should carry the bar at the base of the traps, right? Just by moving that bar down based off of, you know, anthropometrical ratios, you know, she was kind of long-legged. It fixed everything. Got her to sit back a little more. I want you to think about fluttering your toes a little bit and, you know, understanding your midfoot. I mean, just all of these small little cues, but the problem is unless you've actually been underneath a bar and done these things, it's extremely hard to like translate this stuff. And I think that was what was always interesting to me with uh, old man Zangus. Old man Zangus, we had to sit there and watch him and rack his weights. And he always asked <laughs> us for feedback. How'd it look? 
fuck, I'm 14 years old. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Good. But what I did <laughs> know, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> but here was the one thing, and you guys know this about me, I look for patterns, right? So I know that, uh, and all I would say to him is, the first one looked different than the second one. And then he would say, well, which one looked faster? Well, the second one looked faster. Okay. So what did I do on the second one that I didn't do on the first? I don't know. Okay, well, let's start there. Like, like which one was moving fast? Like, and so, it, but that was the deal. Like, you have to be able to see right from wrong. Um, and you have to be able to kind of understand patterns a little bit. Like, but, you know, there's a lot of people that can't look and say, all right, I just watched five reps and I can't tell you how they were different. I just know they were all different. Well, what were you doing? You know, and then small things like, I mean, I know I can watch somebody sit back and rock on their heels and know their big toe is not in the ground because I've done that. So I, I think the practical application of not only having enough reps underneath the bar, I remember um, my buddy RC in Philadelphia, uh, you know, ridden motorcycles his whole life. And I remember I was just a young wannabe, you know, fucking badass biker. And uh, when I was young in Philadelphia and I had this badass rigid 18 over Springer shovel head four speed kicker still in my garage. I love that bike. I'll never get rid of it. Uh, built by El Bundamente. You guys have met Bundy. And, um, I remember I made a joke one time about RC not riding and he looked at me and he said, uh, I got more miles backing up to a curb than you get going forward. Keep your mouth shut until you got as many miles as I do. And I remember I was like, uh. <laughs> yeah, he does have a lot of miles backing up to a curb. You know what? Like, so I think, I think to myself, have you had enough opportunities? Have you, if you got enough miles backing up to a curb underneath the squad in the gym to walk in and know right from wrong. And then have you been around people that are good enough mentors to be able to say, hey, you know, this is right, this is wrong, and these are the principles that I'm standing upon. And that's the problem. Like, bro science and all this other bullshit is based off of, like, the big bro who, um, I don't know if you guys saw, I posted a question on Twitter today that the question of the universe was, should you be wearing a belt when you train arms? Because this big bro in there today fucking belted up. I thought he was going to go fucking bang squat rack or deadlift straight to arms. Like big, thick, heavy belt cinched it and was cinching the belt every rep. Like, I mean, between every set of fucking arms. Yeah. And so I thought the, to myself. The answer is yes. Or? But here's the thing. Now, all of a sudden, all the, all the young bros see the big bro with the belt training arms on a Monday. And then they learn that the that universal or the uh, uh, national arm day is Monday when it's not. Mm-hmm. Fucking national put a heavy bar on your back and squat day is fucking Monday. So I think, uh, you know, a big part of the gym stuff is observation. And, um, I think being able to reach out to people and I always do it, I always preface it and be like, Hey man, I don't mean to be the fucking weird dude at the gym offering free advice, but you, you look fucked up. Do you need some help? And I think just reaching out and helping some people and, um, and then realizing that there's people that don't want to be helped. And then, you know what? Fucking just walk away from the fucking death gurgle. And we know that people, <clears throat> we know the people that attend the seminar, they want to be helped. So we had this question. Sometimes. Uh, well, Tex, there's a second right. part of that that we didn't answer, that previous question. Hit it. Hit it. Well, it, I mean, is this a, a a screening process for people to join the team? Yes. So what does that look like then? Do well, they have to go into golds and just critique old ladies or what? No, they got to come and they got to impress the fuck out of me. I think if you can show up, you know, with a six-pack of beer, which is always a good thing to show up a six pack of beer. You just have to find out what time of, type of beer we like. Uh, if you show up and you're a fucking solid dude and, um, you know, you, uh, you know, like to bang weights and you understand the iron game, you understand a little bit of history and, um, you're not a fucking cock face to quote Rob Wolf, which is actually Rob's favorite term is cock face, which I remember the first time he used it. I, I still laugh to this day every time he uses it. Uh, but like, you know, that ability to come in 
and understand like where you fit in the hierarchy. And you know what? Like, you know, and I think like that's what guys do so well. Um, at least the guys hopefully that we've always been around in terms of that's why we're big up on guys that played sports and, you know, team sports is if you're uh, a normal dude, it doesn't matter if you're Luke or whoever it is. I mean, you walk into a new situation, you should be able to understand where you fit within the hierarchy and not be fucking uncomfortable. You should come Mm -hmm. in and be like, Hey, what's up, man? How we doing? Like talk to everybody, be friendly, you know, no chip on the shoulder and just be like, Hey man, I'm I'm here to learn. And dude, you guys are killer. I want to be part of this whole thing. And I think that's a, that's an easy place to start and then come in and, uh, you know, prove you're not a fucking dipshit yeah and this is all you know i guess to add more clarity to it you know the we're looking at right now at least like a three-tier approach to this thing right um but it starts with taking the online course and then after that it culminates uh your first i guess anointment culminates in person uh being assessed on your ability to just demonstrate the movements that we're going to ask you to do to coach the movements and understand the information and have a, a any uh, intelligent conversation about the methodology, right? So that's going to be the screening process, but I envision it taking place on the ranch, right? There's going to be barbecue. We're going to be doing some field work. We're going to do a lift and learn. So you're going to have some iron on your back. Um, there's going to probably be one of our friends or a set of our friends there that are going to be willing to impart knowledge on you as well. So it's like a, maybe a two day event, two and a half day event where you come out to Austin, Texas, and then you walk away knighted or with some things to work on right so rough timeline hey you spend three four months in the online academy you have to pass the tests in the online uh the online methodology course and then after that you send in your application to human resources right my power athlete hq yep and then you work your way out to austin texas for a fucking banger that's going to be i think so that's what's most exciting for me john is like we're going to create one of the best experiences i think in strength and conditioning to to screen and find authentic individuals who truly are aligned with our our version of empowering performance, right? And and it starts with sign up for the course. And like that that was the mission. Remember, it was like two years ago we started this mission, and then well, here we are now, ready to pull the lever. Right? It, you know, I mean, this was something. I mean, and I, I I can take this back a number of years to you know uh, to sitting at dinner with Rafael Ruiz um, in the early days across at football. And uh, Roth just sitting there and, you know, Roth's not a big drinker. And all of a sudden he's ordering like, you know, double vodkas. And I'm like, look over at him. Like, what's going on? He's like, I just can't believe how unprepared in terms of like reading and knowledge and information people are here at this course that they paid $795 to come. And, um, you know, they don't have an opinion about anything. And I'm like, well, I think they're here like kind of as an open book, like, you know, I mean, empty cup. And he's like, you know, uh, they haven't done enough basic physiology reading understanding to even have a a foundation for what we're discussing and i you know and i and it always was edged on roth and i was like well but nobody's having these conversations and he's like well we have these conversations and i'm like yeah but look at where we sit in this whole thing um you know the average coach isn't looking at in terms of uh you know rate coding and you know developing um neuromuscular efficiency in any of these you know key things in terms of their training they're just using the you know the adaptation that they've been taught which is you know the fucking hammer and you know they're not necessarily understanding how it all fits into the grand scheme of things and so i think uh you know and roth put this deal is i wish we had uh, a course of information to teach people and give them a foundation so when they come here we don't have to you know answer all these questions we don't have to go back in time that we can just get right to the meat and the bones and we can kind of get this out ahead of time so I, I think at that point, I mean, even seven, eight years ago, this was always on the forefront and really being able to find a delivery method, which is 
has been, I mean, I take a step back and remember, you know, paleo brands. I mean, in 2008, 2009, we had frozen meal delivery with paleo type meals and people were just, it, it wasn't the right time. But now all of a sudden here we we're 2016, 2017, people are more apt to do this. So I think you can have a great idea and just be ahead of the curve and it really the not time, uh, the wrong time. So I know for us in terms of developing a content delivery system for both programming and education, uh, something that we really liked. There just wasn't a solution a couple of years ago. And we've really seen, uh, a, you know, a movement in terms of technology and delivery of information that's really at the forefront. And I think, um, you know, even though we've had this information for a long time, we just needed a, a way to drip it and give it and get interactive. Yeah, break, and- break the barrier down for people who want to get there. Cause we talk to hard chargers like, ah, you know, my kids are in soccer. I, I just can't take the weekend off or people mm-hmm. who work on the weekends and shit like that or have to travel. It's a barrier. Sure. Uh, Cause I was that guy for a long time. And if, if I knew that, it, I think back if, and it, I would be much further ahead in getting to some of these seminars. If I knew I could access them from a distance at my own pace. Sure. Right. And I knew that the quality was um, the, the goal of the presenter or the course creator, which is us was to best replicate the in-person experience or exceed that experience, which I think that we have done. Right. So we've created a lot of bitch and shit. And, and this goes in line with another question. So do it, do it from cast from Ireland or Northern Ireland. Excuse me, buddy. I attended the CrossFit football seminar three years ago. To be honest, most of it was taught wet away over my head. Since then, I'm slowly beginning to appreciate the principles taught at the course. Would it be a waste of time and money to come to the course again? Is there much new ground covered in this SSA? I think his best use of money and time would be to come and take the methodology course. That if he came, if, if he signs up and does a methodology course, all the information taught at the original CrossFit Football Seminar will come into focus, and he'll have a greater foundation on which to stand from. And if he wants to come to an SSA seminar or one of the other ones that we're going to do, we'll be in it, Belfast in August. Yeah, we'll love to see you. So I, I would, I would definitely recommend anybody thinking of taking an SSA course or really anything. I mean. Uh, what kind of irked me a little bit is I've taken several courses for different, you know, training methods and whatever. And the thing that they do is they just teach their method. I think what we're doing a little bit different is we're giving you a set of tools for you to evaluate all methods. So, I mean, there's very simple, basic principles of strength and conditioning that you can universally apply and start creating a better looking glass to look through and think that's good. That's fucking bullshit. Yeah. And, or at least ask questions like, Oh, you know, there's no, I'm not seeing any overload in this program. Why? Right. And then you can ask a coach, Hey, how come you're not overloading your athletes? What's overload? Well, fuck this guy. Right. Or he may have, I don't know what the reason would be. He may have a reason that there's no overload through this microcycle or whatever. I, I, I don't know. Like, uh, we're just doing condo cause Texas is big on condo. You know, it's a big condo guy, cardio, cardiando, <laughs> cardiando well, condos conditioning. Cardi- what, what, what's cardiando? Is that a, I think that's a Lady Gaga song. I think that was, I think that was Alejandro. Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah, Alejandro. (laughs) Or was that Madonna? No, it's definitely Gaga. Okay. Derailed. (laughs) No, I mean, well, here's the difference. There's a specific 
purpose for condo. Conditioning is what we're seeing just run rampant we now usually, there is no purpose we usually use the term condo in association with condo housing test. like condominiums so guys would be like, like oh, renting a condo the condo test and i remember hearing that and so wanting, it has and, a purpose well it, it, point, it almost kind of drove me into rage a little bit i'm like what is this condo thing you keep talking well conditioning i'm like, well, fucking like time say conditioning what it, it takes too long to fucking say conditioning yeah well, i don't get time for that yeah i ain't got time for that so i'm in condo <laughs> why don't we just call it the fucking c test Oh, that's, ooh, that's ooh. pretty good. That's a hard C. That's a the C. <laughs> what are you thinking? The C word. Yeah, the C word. Yeah, the C condo. word. Yeah, condo. Yeah, condo. Condiardio. Yeah. Calihandro. <laughs> Cali. 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 Ooh. Johnny Wad will appreciate this. Is there a general recommend, yes. re- recommended time to wait before you go to sleep after a late night Wad? Example. I finished training at 9.30 p.m. Well, I mean, when should I go to bed? Well, I'm pretty sure there's a, a hormonal chemical response when you blow your wad that instantly you feel tired and go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it's actually when you blow your wad, there's a huge release of, is this serotonin? No, no, serotonin usually gives you energy. This is a two-parter. I can't remember what, what about it is. Post, but I, post-wad nutrition? Any recommendations? Cigarette. I find pastrami to be the most sensual <laughs> of the cured meats. <laughs> I kind of like, you know, I'm big on like a cigarette. I mean, you know, let's get a cigarette and, you know, I mean, no. uh, All right. So true context, (laughs) training at night, um, you know. I'll I'll tell you this. uh, When you're waking up, that's a good part of it. uh, My days of training at night are over. So uh, if if I'm not done, if if my training's not done by two o'clock in the afternoon, there's a good chance it's not happening. Mm -hmm. So I really can't reach out on that. So I'm going to pass to you guys. Same because it, it just flips it flips everything else for the next couple of days upside down. You know, it, it, it affects my ability to sleep, which would then affect my ability to train well, the next day. Uh, Tom Inglodon told me years ago that um, there's a training conundrum that they looked at testing, uh, pretty extensive testing, and found that your best strengths and performance gains are training in the evening. Mm-hmm. The problem becomes, and he made a, I always think of this little analogy, he said, uh, in the morning, the mind is ready, but the body isn't. Later in the day, the body is more ready and the mind isn't. So I asked him, when's the best time to train? And he said, you know, is it hormonally proper? I mean, what does it look like? He said, uh, whatever time you can train that allows you to, you know, go at it and attack it with as yeah, much like- ferocity as you want, you know? And so for, for some people, you know, they can't train in the morning because they're, you know, they need to, you know, click and pop in this. For me, i rather get up pop up, get it done in the morning and, uh, and do it because at, once the day starts, all of a sudden dude, mm-hmm. it, it it's, it's not going to happen later on. But I would say if you're training at nine o'clock, nine, nine 30 training concludes, be sure to cool down. Yeah, like put a, put a priority on cool down. I think that, you know, your post workout nutrition should probably be something, John, I'm, I'm just going off of what I personally would do. I would probably go lower carb, yeah. right? Lower carb, higher fat, medium protein, type deal and not a super big meal because at the end of the day, like I put such a preference on like or priority on sleep. So I would want to get to sleep as soon as I can eat something that won't disrupt my sleep. And just, uh, you know, hopefully the dude's not training at nine 30, have to wake up at five cause that fucking blows. And I would like pick those days and maybe rethink training in the evening on those days and start to really value the recovery. Maybe something, a smaller session that allows you to get home earlier and allows you to get some sleep. To, to add the recovery, fun fact, Ver, Verkashansky's got a bunch of stuff on cool down recovery in which if you don't stretch mm-hmm. for four minutes afterwards, your central nervous system doesn't even start its cool down until four hours after your 
hard charging training, wow. which is in the middle of your sleep, which is you yeah, see the cascading effects there. So. so four minutes of stretching. We got plenty of protocols online on the YouTube. That was a good one. So what do you blow your wad? You blow your wads early in the morning, John? Oh yeah, I'm a big I'm, I'm a big morning wad guy. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> summer strong question Ooh. from uh, our our boy physiotherapist Anderson out on the East Coast, South Carolina. Will the whole crew be rolling to summer strong? Sub question: What is better, Texas barbecue or Carolina? With a new gym being built. Any new tools or training apparatuses that will be implemented? Uh, I think the the whole crew will be there minus Callie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Callie's going to be able to make the trip, mm-hmm. uh, sadly. Um, and then... So that's uh, me, Tex, and then we have a, our tag along, yeah, Harry Shaw, who's... Harry Shaw. We're, we're an Operation Transform Harry. Yeah, so it's pretty... No, it'll be pretty good. I mean, I know our... Um, you know, I mean, it, it'll be a skeleton crew. It's not going to be the whole crew, but it'll be skeleton. Uh, and John's and, presenting people, if you don't yeah. know that. So that's going to be epic. And then, uh, in terms, well, I kind of like Texas barbecue because uh, I like uh, I like salt and I kind of like rubs. Uh, all the kind of the southern stuff I've had has got a lot of sauce in it, and I'm not a big barbecue sauce fan. So. Yeah, so I don't. I've never had. I don't think I've had Carolina barbecue, so I don't know. Uh, the Carolina barbecue I had was uh, real saucy. I had I've had Kansas City. Yeah, that was that was uh, that was pretty good. It was not, all right, but really. I'm still on. I'm with you, John. Yeah. On like uh, not, nothing like, better than a dry like, rub beef rib. Yeah, like, I like salt and smoke. So I mean, but yeah, I mean, hey, I'm always Carol- willing to Carolina's to give it a shot. Sauce and vinegar, but then what I the X factor for Texas is the slaw. Is that what mm. it is? Mm. Yeah, because they go the vinegar slaw, which I don't like the mayonnaise slaw. Yeah, so I'm a big on uh, mayonnaise. I'm, I'm not a mayonnaise guy. You know, you're always slopping mayonnaise all over <sighs> your your. Sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. When you're over at my house watching Friends eating mayonnaise, <laughs> <laughs> mayonnaise from the jar. I fucking hate mayonnaise. <laughs> and the worst is when we were kids, my mom used to make homemade mayonnaise, which was like I don't even know it had like oil and eggs, and she used to like, hey, do you want any mayonnaise? I'd be like, no, nope, no mayo, no mayo. Text. What do we got next? Oh, oh and then um, any new implements? At oh yeah, Power yeah. Athlete. Uh, the guys from Sornex are making us some bitchin' uh, racks and and some really cool apparatus. So we're gonna have uh, some bitchin' Sornex stuff, and then we're gonna have obviously the the uh, the standbys and all the Westside stuff that we've had at Power Athlete. And then you're uh, tinkering the with the Halo now, though, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll have um, you know, I I don't know. I mean, we gotta really kind of use that a little bit before I get big behind it, and um, but. We'll see how it works. I mean, I you know, and obviously we have uh, assault bikes, we got Versa climbers, uh, we have the stand up skier, which I, I really like, and we're gonna have some cool stuff with the prowlers. Uh, the one thing I really do want to start doing some more stuff on is um, some more farmer carries and some more heavy implement stuff because now all of a sudden we're gonna have a bunch of dirt and yeah, you know, space before, to do it, space to do it. But we had concrete before, so I mean, we can't fucking go out there and drop big massive heavy things. But now we'll have dirt and some fun things. So I think it'll just allow us to do some more fun stuff. How about Vance? Levi Swang or Levi Swang. Why are Vance Showing, the best? Um, because when I was five years old, that's what we wore. Growing up in California, we always wore Vans because one, they were, you know, at the time they were like 12 bucks. And if your feet grew, it wasn't really a big deal. So we wore Vans uh, all the time. And then when we played basketball or sports, whatever, you got cleats. And then you would just wear your Vans all the time. So I think it was just, uh, you know, when your feet grow fast and your mom doesn't necessarily want to spend a lot on shoes, you end up wearing Vans a lot. And you grew up in California. So I've always worn them. And, uh, you know, when people got into this whole kind of minimalist shoe thing, um, you know, and when you're looking at a pair of Vivios or, you know, these other shoes that are 100 bucks a pair, uh, you know, it just 
kind of made me laugh a little bit and been like, man, we've been wearing minimalist, easy shoes for as long as I can remember. And all this goes back to, uh, um, God, I cannot remember his name. It'll talk to me in a second. Dr. Cohen, who was our, uh, our podiatrist at the Philadelphia Eagles, and I have high arches. And I remember uh, first day I went in there, um, went through our physicals, and uh, he sat down with me and said, hey, we can do two things. I can make you a set of orthotics today, or you can promise me you won't wear shoes. I was like, what? He's like, you have high arches, so I can wear your orthotics, or I want you to walk around barefoot and do all these stretches and start really strengthening your feet. Because he goes, um, what will happen is if you get weak in the hips, or you get weak in your feet, you start collapsing, you're going to have real problems with foot problems. So what we do is we just, if guys are lazy, we'll make them orthotics. If they're not, just go around barefoot. And then I busted out and I showed him the vans and he was like, perfect. He's like, wear vans, don't wear football cleats, go barefoot as much as possible. And he said the worst thing that we ever did to our feet was wear shoes. So, and this is old Jewish dude, uh, Dr. Cohen, his dad was a podiatrist and, um, Honestly, uh, one of my favorite people in the world, and um, and I, th- I thank him every day, especially with uh, my kids, where I stretch my kids' feet, and I talk to them about running around barefoot and all the little things that we did in terms of being able to pick things up with your toes and strengthen and stretch the toes. So, uh, you know, it, it, I think what's what's so cool is I've and I've then I literally look back and I thank my and, and I just thank my the fact that I've had such a cool journey, but like people like a Dr. Cohen and the different people I've come across in terms of my sporting life have just imparted knowledge into me and things that I've remembered. And, um, you know, that idea about foot feet. So that's where the vans come from. And I guess just on a practical sense too, in having experimented with the nanos, the Metcons, all the other shit is one for me, pretty frugal guy price. You get them for 30 to 40 bucks. If you find them on sale, you buy three pair and they last, you know, they'll, they'll last you heavy training for six months, reinforced lateral toe box. So if you're doing any sort of lateral speed and agility work, your the, the top canvas portion of the shoe will not roll around your foot, like in, in twist around your foot, like nanos will, uh, Metcons will almost every shoe out there that I've seen that we've seen at a seminar besides Chuck's and Vans do that chucks are a little too narrow for me but it's the canvas it's the canvas with the 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 non-slip sole minimalist sole that is kind of what what makes those shoes work and effective for well you gotta think if you think about uh skateboarding and those kids basically jumping off landing doing all the type of movements i mean it's it's, all lateral and it's lateral and it's ballistic Mm -hmm. and you know what like here's the thing like if they get weak you throw them away you get a new pair and you're right back in the fold so Mm -hmm. um and uh you know and they don't really uh, help the feet, like support the feet in any way. And it forces you to support them. So the yeah, idea, exactly. you know, just strengthening your feet and working on them and stretching. I mean, I know people don't really work on that stuff, but I mean, that was a big thing with Ruiz, like constantly keeping, I mean, what's there a hundred plus bones in the feet? Yeah, like 200. Yeah. I mean that ability to muscles kind of, or something. Yeah, reach, crack your toes, do all the little things. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, take, and, take care of your feet, buddy. And honestly, for me, they're just like, they're, they're part they're, of the part of the uniform. And they're, and they're just kind of like plain and not nondescript in the sense that some of the other minimalist shoes look Look, like makes you look like you're fucking European race car driver or some yeah, shit. You're a fucking weirdo. And it, I don't know. I, I, I really I, care about how I look, you guys. So like, so we we went to Eggfest. <laughs> literally. Um, so I, I don't know if you guys follow us on Instagram. We went to Eggfest on uh, Saturday, uh, which is a uh, huge festival celebrating the big green eggs. So Luke and I and the kids and, and my wife went over to uh, Dripping Springs and went to Eggfest. And the hilarious part is I pulled Cashy out of his uh, little stroller, who um, no, no kid was more happier than Cashy to be able to sit in his stroller and, and eat get pushed around and get fed barbecue i'm like that kid has a life <laughs> he was right just now. over there just stuffing barbecue in his face but uh kate goes to put his little vans on and she got little vans that are uh they look like the mouth of a shark 
So they're like shark vans, and I was like, oh, so awesome. When you're grown-up versions. Yeah. We're the big kid versions of the shark vans. Training question. What do you think is the most underrated, undertrained primal movement? Ooh, probably the step up. Step up? Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know what? And, and, and just this is purely observational, but at the gym – uh, I watch everybody doing some form of bilateral hip hinge with, uh, you know, normally on a Smith machine, which is fucking awful. I watched a guy Smith machine squat today with quarters, 25 pound plates under his heels. And I couldn't understand why or what he was doing, but he was nowhere near. Well, parallel. it works the quads. It gets you a better quad pump. Oh, okay. Uh, so, um, and then I watch a lot of women uh, lunging around the gym. And whenever they lunge by me, I always make a joke to them because I always say, oh, you're getting ready for your wedding. And they kind of go, what, what, why, why? well you're practicing your wedding step and they're like no idea what i'm fucking talking about to effectively do a lunge you have to transition from one step into another you have to be able to rotate and drive through and go through if you wedding step a lunge you negate really what the lunge is about Mm -hmm. the ability to trans you know translate or transverse or you know what is it uh be able to move through one pattern into the next Mm -hmm. and be able to display stability as you come through drive up knee up i mean so all it's just hilarious the fact that i watch people lunge around the gym and not a single one of them actually transitions and does the lunge properly they all wedding step and then i ask them are you getting ready for the wedding and they go no i'm like then why do you wedding step and then if you watch people uh, step up Nobody. No, it's like a, a transition to a bilateral. Like it, I, I know I was that guy. I can still think back to like five years years ago at Balboa. We're doing fucking step ups, me and Nate, and you're like walked in and you're like, "What the fuck are you guys doing?" And I'm like, "Step ups, <laughs> yeah. quarter, quarter step up and yeah, two, yeah, exactly." Well, it because was me like and Nate like bilat- had like two twenty five oh, on yeah, the fucking bar. Nate at two twenty five. <laughs> it's like bending him. He like kind of like rocked, and then he just kind of like snuck his foot up there. And then, like, dumped his chest over his knees and did what I called the, uh, uh, what was it, like the Notre Dame? You remember, like, uh, the hunchback of Notre Dame? That's what he looked like as he was trying to, like, drive this up. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? One. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> I got 225 for five. And, I'm like, <laughs> and uh, you know, I still have that vision. And I was like, dude, like, uh, like let's take this step back and start talking about why we, Un- why we yeah, step unintended. up. Unintended. Step back. Yeah, take a step back, and I'm going to show you why. We, and then we went over it, and I think he got like- Yeah, we filmed the video that day. 145, yeah, like 135 pounds. And no, he's not like, even. 90, we were down to 95. I'm like, we were fucking pussies. And like that like that truly was the beginning of-, uh, of you, you just you learn that you have no idea. And you know, you talked about um, before the show, like being humble enough to have a learning moment. Like, holy shit. And then you just realize- it was just one of those moments for me where I made the connection, you know, like, oh, oh, like, and I visualize, I envision the, how the hips should be moving and how the pattern that we teach in the step up allows the hips to move through space in that manner where the other way doesn't, yeah. you know, you're just basically yeah. fucking risking getting hurt and the thought by of like doing like driving, a curtsy squat. You know, the, the idea of a big broad chest and basically driving your head through the ceiling as mm-hmm. a metaphor for like sprinting and that ability to like, you know, yep. you know yep. drive it yep. as, so, you know, on a 45 plane. So mine might be be a little surprising for you guys but i'm going to say the vertical pull because people aren't doing vertical pulls aka pull-ups what they're doing is they're like doing this downward rotation of a shoulder to catch their pec and like use their bicep to do like this vertical bicep pull up instead of using their back right because we teach a strict pull-up at the seminar and i i I haven't seen anyone do it right 
Truly, haven't seen anyone do it right where her shoulders are stay retracted, depressed, and it's a vertical pull instead of some sort of like like Tex likes to call them circle pull ups. No, I mean we've seen people like I I can think of a bunch a uh, couple people that we've come in that were real strong. Uh, you I know, think the, cross the invention of the crossover symmetry has helped a lot. Yeah, but over what, I've been doing it five years. That there's a lot of shit out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I I can't say just that I haven't seen anybody because I can actually mentally think of like two or three people where I thought, oh, shit, this guy's got a pretty good pull up. Mm-hmm. And they understand about, you know, drop it, retracting and pulling and start using the lat. And I think even with a little bit of coaching and you're like, you know, you get them into proper position. So, but we always go back to people don't know what they don't know. Yep. And, you know, age old, like, uh, you get know. Get your chin co- over the bar. Yeah. Pull up. I, I, I watched a guy do, um, you know, Golds has this gold fit thing, which is uh, like a... Um, it, it's almost like uh, somebody translated CrossFit into Sanskrit and then translated from Sanskrit to English to Golds for CrossFit. So it's a really bad translation of I don't know what the fuck these people are doing. But uh, I watched a guy in there today doing what he, I think he thought was a kipping pull-up, um, except his head was nowhere near the bar and his chin was so far craned back that it was actually higher than the bar. And his feet were kind of like uh, flailing. It, it almost looked like he uh, was getting electrocuted and, and having a seizure at the same time. And uh, the coach was like, High good five. job. Good job. You're getting close. And, uh, and you're the doing, best is you're Condardio. the guy who's the coach who's wearing the shirt that says coach. I actually talk trash to him all the time. Like every time I see him over there right on the board, I'm like, oh, you got kettlebells and box jumps. You know, and I like talk <laughs> shit to him about it. I'm like, I'm like 400 meter run, 50 air squats. That's your program. Five rounds is elite. Four is not. And he's probably like this fucking meathead talking shit to me. He doesn't know that I'm fucking goal fit elite. So you think you're a meathead? Well, yeah, I would think no. looking at me. I'm a fucking meathead. No, dude. I'm pretty sure him looking at me is like, hey, I'm fucking elite. You yeah. know why? Because I can mm. fucking roll a 145, 500 meters. I think you could. Dude, oh, I remember. Dude, I fucking rolled like a 113, yeah. dude. I set the <laughs> I world remember record. When, I remember when I thought I was going to fucking smoke you because I, I don't know why. Because I was doing a bunch of Condardio and. Uh, it was it was at old Balboa and we did 500 meter repeats. So I'm like, I looked at you, you got fucking done. I did the math and the leverage. I'm like, well, he's fucking. You, you know. did the math. You are a, not an athlete. You're a mathlete. I'll take it, Condardio. Yeah, but anyways, yeah. Like no, well, more can smoke a road. Thirteen. He's like, isn't the world record like one twelve and a half? I'm like, yeah, I got you. But no, I mean, we would try to. And then he smashed two beers together, stone cold them. <laughs> and then we, <laughs> no, I mean, we would go in there and uh, we had a deal where it was like hundred bucks if you can break this motherfucker. And like, I would get into it and pull with my heels and try to literally snap that fucking cord. And your two brothers would be on either end of it, like, like holding, holding down it down. Like, didn't and, you and then own? The, didn't you own this? Yeah, yes. but if it's yeah, your it was, stuff, it was all my do, stuff. Yeah, you can do that. And shit. here's the best part: when I went to fucking balbogies a couple days ago that shit's still there uh-huh. and I, I i told ben i was like man we did a good job on not building this place because uh one i didn't break it and nobody else has broken anything like the floors look still pretty good i mean the bar still everything looks fucked up because people have used it but i'm like god damn we we built this place right we bought high dollar equipment mm-hmm. and either that or ben doesn't use it yeah, so, that's possible uh, too both? both 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 <laughs> uh what do you got tex i'm gonna go with Combining primals. Oh, look at dun, 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 dun. undertrained transitioning from like an X to a Y or a Y to a Z. Basically, we're sprinting. I could also say sprinting is a good one, mm-hmm. but just the bottom line of challenging and going from the lunge, like a high knee lunge to step up, lunge to step up, instead of just negating the wedding step, going and transitioning into that high knee. Mm-hmm. Definitely underrated, and that'll take some weight off the bar. Yeah, like if you think you got to drop on just to step up, 
going from lunge to step up, you got to drop a little bit. So, yeah. and then in turn, getting better at that shit makes your squat a hell of a lot easier and faster and stronger. Or the the other one, which uh, is totally underutilized and seems to fuck people's worlds up, is like the suitcase deadlift, like the bilateral hip hinge with loading on just one side. So I programmed a little suitcase deadlift in the uh, in the Johnny Wad Captain America cycle. And I, uh, I think it kind of, you know, I, I really wanted to see some video of it, but these fucking assholes who are keep posting one and two on the leaderboard won't post any video. Fucking, you know, these same guys that did the 50 back squats at 70% in four minutes. Fuckers. If you're listening to it, send in video. I want to see that shit. It's four minutes. You can film on an iPhone. Let's talk Johnny Bod. Some people are asking, when does Johnny Bod come out? What's the deal with Johnny Bod? Well, I have to finish Johnny Bod. You guys are like, think that I just make this shit up. No, I actually fucking do these things. So I'm actually in week five of Johnny Bod and I kind of fucked myself because I hurt myself actually 10 days ago uh, in the Johnny Bod. So I jumped, I had to start, jump back in on the reboot. So I got to finish it this week and then next week and then we'll put the Johnny Bod. I don't understand because there's a lot of CrossFit competition coaches out there that don't do their own programming. You're telling us that you (laughs) test all of these programs that you put out. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I, th- I think you're doing it wrong. Uh, well, I mean, dude, the original Jack Street, we did it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was fucking awful. I mean, uh, um, this Johnny Bot thing, I mean. Uh, Awfully good. The Captain America one uh, was smashed me into a million fucking pieces. And then I figured, you know what? Let's step it up with a little bit of Johnny Bot. And uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think I went too hard. <laughs> that fucking deadlifts fucked me up. That, but I'll, I'll tell you what, what fucked me up on the deadlift when I hurt myself was uh, I was deadlifting at fucking Gold's. And as I was fucking pulling heavy, this fucking asshole came over and was pulling doubles with 95 pounds. And um, in, while I was deadlifting, he was trying to deadlift 95 pounds next to me. And I got so fucking enraged by having um, a dude come over and deadlift 95 pounds for um, you know doubles uh, that um, I ended up going up and pulling way too heavy. And I think I fucked myself up on it. So mm-hmm. Those deadlifts are dangerous. They are. So. But the guy that did 95 pounds is okay. <laughs> that will teach you. No, you know what? Like, I uh, see this is this is a conversation that Luke and I have, which blows my fucking mind at the uh, at the Globo Gym at, at Golds. Is that people have no concept of relative intensity. The only fucking matrix that they have is more reps. It would never dawn on them today to add more weight to the bar and start pushing the intensity. They only the only way they understand any relative intensity is in terms of ramping up. Because I mean, obviously, as you guys are intelligent guys that are listening to this, you have three ways to ramp up. Relative intensity, weight, reps, recovery. Or, yeah, short recovery. So you either do more and less time, heavier weights, more. I mean, there's there's really only three matrix. Um, nobody goes faster because you have to. Have, you know, the the gym etiquette is three to five minutes in between sets. Nobody thinks to add weight to the bar because that would be work. So I'm just going to try to do more reps. Like there was a poor kid who was squatting next to me who actually squatted 135 pounds for pretty deep, nice five reps. He did it for three sets. And he went to take the weight off the bar, and I asked him, I'm like, are you going to do any more? Because your squat looked pretty good. I'd like to see you do that a little heavier. <laughs> and he looked really uncomfortable and left. I was like, fine, fuck you then. Well, were you holding him like a small child? Like, did you scoop him up? No, but I feel like there's like a lot of people <clears throat> in that place. Like, I want to reach out and just hug them and give them the goodwill hunting. Like, it's not your fault, Well. No, no, seriously, it's not your fault. Not you, you, man. You just don't know. Not you. And so, like, that's the problem is that in the global gym environment, the only thing they know is to add more reps. They would never dawn on them to either cut down rest sets or add weight to the bar. Or just continually work 
to like over a long timeline that intensity should increase yes it should in one in those forms Be, it's, it's kinda gradually like, it's kind of like forever it, it's kind of like if um if you want to get acclimated to the heat wouldn't it be smart to like turn up the heat one degree and just slowly be like hey i want to get used to 100 degrees i'll start at 70 and 71 72 mm-hmm. i mean it's an easy kind of acclimation deal but uh, like that's the thing that blows me away and, and like you start watching people because you see the same people and you see them following the same routine over and i remember there was a you know teabag nation put a meme up on uh, their instagram which is actually kind of funny they're like don't be the guy that goes to the gym for six months and doesn't make any changes and I, I've seen, I've been training there for three or four months. And the only uh, dude that looks like he's changed is uh, this dude who's obviously juiced to the gills and he's got a real bad rug. He's probably in his 40s and got, or 50s. No, he's in his 50s and got a hell of a hairpiece. And you know what the big change he made? He got a new hairpiece. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it looks good, but when you're 6'6 six, six <laughs> and a dude's short, I can spot a rug a I fucking million miles away. I can see the stitches. Now, you're he, in the fucking he, he thinks the fucking rug looks good, and I know he changed his rug because the, the color changed. I looked at him. I was like, man, did that guy get it? No, he's sucking. That's a rug. So I was going to be like, dude, your rug looks sweet. Wear a hat. We got one more question, Tex? That's Time it. for one more? Time for one more? Like, is there a question on the start date of the Academy? Yeah, Luke, when's the start date of the Academy? I don't know, John. When's the start date of the Academy? Uh, we're going to do a little bit of filming tomorrow morning. Ooh. And we're going to go over and have a little bit of talking and hopefully film some really good stuff. And if we can get this podcast produced, Callie, and put it out Friday and get some of this other stuff produced. Then the pre- I'd, then I'd registration like, starts. Yeah, I'd like to open up the registration on Friday. Yeah, so the, the vision, I guess, is... Uh, we're going to open up registration. This thing's going to be rolled out in semesters. And the first semester of Methodology 1 is on June June 1 Yeah, is no, when it'll I kick mean, off. And, uh, so this month is all about getting registered and signed up, people. So do it. And then registration won't open until maybe maybe 2018 no, for the next group. No, I think we'll have another one. We're going to try to run two groups this year. But I, I want to really emphasize uh, the reading list the course curriculum, the manual. There's We've put a ton of hours into... Um, and I say we, I mean really Tex and Luke and everybody else we brought in. Well, on don't this. sell yourself short, big fella. You put your whole life into this thing. No, you guys are, dude, you guys have done a great job. Uh, but I really think that understanding the, not only the course manual, but the reading list and getting it and not just looking at it as just some syllabus, but like this is the pieces that are going to be assembled within this course that's just going to help you understand it. So I'm really excited for it. I mean, this is what we've been working for for a number of years. And I think it's really the opportunity that people are looking for to not only get involved with power athlete but are starting understanding um you know uh, the strength conditioning methodology that we've been using for a number of years and we think is the best on the planet all right people academy.powerathletehq.com if you want to get down on that do it do it that's it jwell you got to go yeah all right text we got to go film some stuff all right people thanks for listening go to itunes give us five stars we haven't said that in a while Ooh, yeah comment Five star, five star rating and a comment. Something about a uh, hilarious, well spoken chest hair and musk. Chest hair musk. Ooh, <laughs> like like Wes Whitlock. Ooh, ooh. Maybe we can get that chest hair and musk on we, here. Maybe one of these the days, unicorn. One of these days, we can maybe bag uh, <laughs> a, a Wes Whitlock. All right, people, take it. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Take your coaching and personal responsibility to new heights. Sign up for the Power Athlete Academy by heading to academy.powerathletehq.com and register for the methodology course prior to May 26 to reserve your spot. Space is limited as we are capping enrollment at 100 people. The course kicks off June 1st, so get registered and get it.
Until next time, bye!